Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're proud to be Just Capital's number one top company to work for. Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Just Capital used annual rankings to track performance across the five worker-related issues evaluated. Bank of America and a member FDIC equal credit opportunity lender. Let's end this year with a bang with Gossip Mitsubishi's Mitsubishi Motors year-end sales event. You want huge savings? We Gossip. The awards keep coming for the world's first and best-selling plug-in hybrid SUV. 2023 Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV. 420 total range and PGE. We Gossip at $299.96 a month. Plus, 2024 Mitsubishi Outlander Sport. Buy for $26,850 or $379 a month. Plus, IIHS top safety pick and seat 7. 2024 Mitsubishi Outlander. $32,185 or $399 a all equipped with Mitsubishi's 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. You want it, we gossip. Gossip Mitsubishi, 1870 Covington Pike or 24-7 at MemphisMitsubishi.com. If you want it, we gossip and gossip PZO 62303 MSRP 44355 84 months 500 military and conquest or loyalty rebate Outlander RZ 06545 MSRP 33185 Sport RU 01004 MSRP 2784 includes all rebates and incentives PF695 excludes tax on a license CDO for complete details offer valid through end of the month with approved credit dealer stock only Thanks for calling Discover this is Anjali Hi it's Jennifer Coolidge I just got an alert for a strange charge on my card No problem we make sure you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases on your Discover card Let's see did you purchase something from a t-shirt cannon store yesterday? Absolutely not. No, I already have like three. Zero dollar fraud liability guarantee. It pays to discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, Doc. Nice office. Quick question. If you had to choose, would you give yourself a root canal or run payroll? Run payroll, no question. Seriously? Have you run payroll before? Paying my team with Gusto couldn't be easier. Gusto gives me unlimited payroll runs, next day direct deposits, and automatically files my taxes. Saves me time. Wow, that's nice. Over here, 
Choose payroll without the pain. Visit gusto.com slash radio to sign up for free. A three-carat lab-grown diamond for just $599. A two-carat lab-grown for only $299. A one-carat lab-grown diamond for just $99. It's not a mistake. It's Genesis Diamond's unbelievable lab-grown Black Friday sale. That's right. This weekend, Genesis is offering deals absolutely no one can touch. So you can put the ring of her dreams on her finger and get the deal of your dreams at the same time. Other stores are charging $10,000 for three-carat lab-grown diamonds. But at Genesis, it's just $5.99. Their two-carat lab-grown diamonds are over $4,000. But the Genesis price is just $2.99. And their one-carat lab-growns are $1,500. But you can get a one-carat lab-grown at Genesis for just $99. This offer is not too good to be true, but it is limited to the first 150 customers with the purchase of one of Genesis' exclusive settings. Imagine proposing to the love of your life with a stunning three-carat certified lab-grown diamond. Any shape showcased in a one-of-a-kind setting. Don't miss Genesis Diamond's lab-grown Black Friday event this weekend, including Sunday, on Poplar at Perkins Extended. See store for details. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. Well, remember last weekend we came in here and we were like, man, it was basically such a great weekend for Memphis sports, right? Didn't the soccer teams won and Memphis football won and Memphis basketball got the win over Missouri. Um, didn't the Grizzlies get their first? They beat someone too. Then they, what was their second win? So the Grizzlies' second win was Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's right. They just the beat, they just beaten the Clippers. Then they turned right around and got. Curb stomp by the Lakers. Yeah, a little more, little more complicated feelings coming out of this weekend. Tigers bat, Tiger basketball won like they were supposed to, but maybe gets a little snub. Gets a little snub going to the Bahamas today when the, when in, the AP, in the in the eight when the AP poll comes out. Uh, you got both the soccer teams unfortunately lost yesterday. The Memphis women's and Memphis men's soccer teams. So their nice runs in the NCAA tournament are over. Um, Grizzlies, given everything that's happened, definitely a net positive weekend for the Grizzlies coming back from way down against the Spurs Saturday night to win and then almost knocking off the Celtics last night. Statement loss. <laughs> Statement loss. Um, and then Tiger football, obviously, the disappointing loss to SMU on Saturday. So much more, yeah, not all bad, but it felt like more bad than good. Yeah, I think it was a lot of... I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Mm. Yeah, a lot of coming to terms with your emotions on certain subjects. Speaking of coming to terms with things, Mm -hmm. did you know, so, of course, happy Feast Week to all. Okay. To all that celebrate, Mm -hmm. happy Feast Week. It's a great week for everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. we won't let the the current sports scene slow us down. Mm -hmm. It's a big week. Mark, they're playing the Maui Invitational in Honolulu. Yeah, because the... But I thought they're still playing some of the events... 
I don't think so. I think it's all it's all in Honolulu this okay. year because of the, the fires. The but fires. I thought I thought that yeah. side of the island was okay. Yeah, but they the infrastructure like they need to be the infrastructure there needs to be dedicated to like the recovery and they it was not possible to pull it off there this year. I got a spin zone as someone with family in Maui. I, I can attest like a reasonable. It's reasonable that they're playing it in Hawaii this year on the main Honolulu, on the main the, the big, big island. island. Um, does that mean? Of course, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to rebuild and everything. I mean, it's de- it was devastating what happened. It's, it sounds Is like it possible though the first time that the real Maui Invitation will be back when the Tigers play next year. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I think that's the plan, is to have it back in Maui next year. Uh, and coincidentally, Memphis will be there. And then um, why well, I, I did get to start the weekend in a very unique way. I got to watch the Memphis basketball game with Penny Hardaway at, at the sports bar he's been watching the games at. So, so we'll, that was interesting. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Also, Jason Munns will join us at 2.40. We'll get into the weekend that was uh, for the NFL. We got our recap of the recap. Boom was our – boom's – Boom's got Thanksgiving on the mind. Yeah, of course. He's he's, he's already he's ready. A big, he's a big holiday guy. That was like a weird day of NFL football. Mm. But I guess you could have kind of seen it coming because there was a lot of it bad. It was just weird matchups. It was bad games. Either you were going to have – the way the matchups were set up, either a team that was clearly the favorite was going to win yeah. or it was going to be a weird upset. Yes. And so we had a little mix of both. We'll get into that. Also – I mean, honestly, I think it's the biggest NFL game of the year. Yeah, tonight. tonight. Yeah, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Eagles rematch of the Super Bowl. And right in time for it, Jeffrey, Wall Street Journal Magazine gave us a nice profile. Travis Kelsey, we got the real scoop Mm. on how he went and how he lured uh, or wooed Taylor Swift. I am setting expectations low, and that's to protect myself because every time I've gotten up for a big game in the NFL, some college games have really delivered this year. Mm -hmm. But every time I've set myself up for, like, a f- big-time game, it feels like it's just falling flat. Well, I'll tell you, there's drama on the field and off the field no for question. this one. Um, so we'll get into that in the list next hour. But let's start with our overreactions. And I think we should start with Memphis football. All right. Because it's fu- it's funny. They've, they've got a game this weekend and some interesting news that started percolating, I'd say, like, over the weekend. Um in you know, once they lost that game to SMU on Saturday, is that oh, by the way, the Liberty Bowl might run into the same situation it had in 2017, where there's not enough SEC teams that are bowl eligible. Yeah, you know, as Saturday's results filed in, and you know, if you're the Liberty Bowl, okay, how can you best draw a crowd if you can't get the SEC team? Oh well, is the home Mem- team. Yeah, <laughs> can we get Memphis there? And now Brett McMurphy. I had been hearing this. I texted you yesterday yeah, about you've been it. Hearing hearing, whispers. And then today, it's Brett in the trees. Brett McMurphy put out there his latest bowl projections, and he's got Memphis playing I not just back in the Liberty Bowl, Jeffrey, a rematch with Iowa State. Who rematch they played of in, the rematch. Yeah, yes. who they played in 2017 in the Liberty Bowl. I think it's all contingent. Memphis has to beat Temple this weekend for it to be a pot, you know, to really Hashtag unfinished business. Yeah. Um but that maybe adds a little bit of uh, spice spice to the end of this season, but for all intents and purposes, it, it, like that game on Saturday felt like the regular season finale. You know, like yeah, ultimately, it, really um, it just did. And they they ultimately the theme of the season going into the game was the theme of the game. Like pretty good team, 
And ultimately, when push came to shove against, you know, when they played an actual good team this year, they couldn't get over the hump. And that's how I, I'd classify Memphis as a pretty good team this year. That's the category they fall into me. Um, but ultimately, the three game, you know, the three games they played against teams that were good, they were they they didn't they didn't get embarrassed. They played tough. They played really hard. But in all three of those games, Missouri, Tulane, and now SMU, you came away and you were like, "Yeah, I think the better team ultimately won." Yeah, my overreaction from Saturday was, this is a very unsatisfying season. Mm, interesting. It's not unsatisfactory. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad eight season. And three still have a chance. I believe they, it would be the fourth if they win their last two. So beat Temple and then win the bowl game. I believe fourth ten win season in program history. Correct. And again, to be clear, certainly not a bad season. But I think it was unsatisfying in the sense that as the season played out, every time it felt like Memphis had an opportunity to get the type of win that would really make you feel good and -hmm. feel good about where the program's going, Mm -hmm. didn't get embarrassed, didn't, didn't, Played good games like that game on Saturday was a really good game. I like had I enjoyed watching that game and that it was just really competitive back and forth. You know, two good teams with a lot at stake and they like neither of them. It was like a mostly you know like ultimately to me it came down the difference in the game was on the first possession of the game Memphis throws an interception and SMU scores uh, fumble. Excuse catch me, fumble. Catch and fumble. I, it looked like an interception. Yeah, it was from, a catch and fumble. You're right. Uh, a fumble. They turn the ball over on the opening yeah. drive and give up a touchdown. And then late, you know, ultimately on two straight drives in the fourth quarter with a chance to, it, the game, you know, with a chance to go down the field, you score a touchdown, you take the lead in the fourth quarter. They go three and out, and then they have a penalty. They have a drive that's, you know, essentially marred by penalty. They had to punt because of, you know, that the illegal man downfield or ineligible man downfield penalty, which some people were calling into question because it was such a quick play. But when we watched it, it was one of those plays where it was like you could probably call it by the letter of the law. He was five yards downfield before the pass went off because it was an RPO. You know, it was like one of those situations. The lineman went too far down the field because it was an RPO. Well, the real big problem on that is the But you can call that on a lot of plays in a game, and they decided to call it there. That's where you can have your – but by the letter of the law, it was a penalty. Where you can quibble with it is like, you know, it's a big spot in the game, and like that stuff happens all game long. Here's where I think they got burned. Because it was the quick little – the pass being behind – or in front of the line of scrimmage, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how they do. Like, rather than call, like, offensive pass interference, it's illegal man downfield – but this has been my whole big problem of and then you, RPOs and, in general is like, you know, how do you know when they're when they are aren't going to call it? Like, and then you pin them at the one yard line, and have an illegal formation on your punt. Yeah, and uh, maybe this story is different if even one of those things goes different. If you can, even if even if you commit the penalty on the that makes you punt, if you pin them at the one, maybe you get the ball back. You know, with a chance to take the lead again. Whereas they get the ball at like the twenty seven, I think it ended up, and they go down and score. And that was the the other problem is, you know, when push came to shove, that Memphis defense, you know, it wasn't just bending; it broke. At yeah, times. I mean, I think the the real 
I felt like the game was over, and I know that there was still clock left. When Memphis got the stop in the fourth quarter and then went mm-hmm. not three and out, it was like five and out. I think they got one first down and then punted. Yeah, that was the that was the penalty. Yeah, and the, yeah. but they had another first down, but it got negated by the yeah. penalty. And so no, they got the defense did get two stops in the fourth quarter to give Memphis or not. They got they it wasn't two stops. They held SMU to a field goal which instead felt of like a, a touchdown, which in the moment felt like a stop. And then actually got a stop, and Memphis's offense couldn't take advantage of either. And so here we are. And, I mean, I think the other key difference was both teams scored six times. Mm-hmm. Memphis got two field goals. Yeah. No, early, early, the turnover and then their first drive, yeah. they had to kick a field goal. Yeah, no, and it was one of those games where and the stuff field, like that and really honestly, matters and is magnified. I think he made the right call on the field goal at the end of the half. I agree. That was my instinct in the moment was – yeah, you take the points here, right? There wasn't enough. Part of the reason, part of the math, and part of the decision-making process of when to go for it is you leave leave your opponent with bad field position. Yeah. SMU I, had enough clock, I suppose you could make the argument, to move the ball, but that felt like a situation. Take some yeah. points, and then... You, hadn't, you haven't been good in short yardage conversions all year anyways. Yeah. No. It was 14-10. You made it 14-13, and it paid off. SMU scored to start the half, and you're still within one score. Yeah. Like, it, it was the right – I thought that was the right move to take the points there. Um, nonetheless, they come out with a loss, and it's – you know, it's – my overreaction is this, is it's the season we all feared because it's the season we all basically expected before the year started. They're yeah. going to finish the year from fourth, just like they were expected to. Yeah, it was a conversation point on the broadcast. I don't know if mm-hmm. y'all were talking about it in the press box, whatnot, but one of the big conversation points was how the teams that were expected to be the four best teams mm-hmm. have been the four best teams, mm-hmm. and Memphis was picked fourth. They finished fourth. Yeah, and they won. They're, going, all, they're they, going to finish. They fourth. won all the games they were expected to. Now they did. You know, turned out after the game ended. Memphis did get its first two wins of the year over teams with above 500 records because Boise State, first Arkansas State won to go 6-5, and five, and then Boise State won to go 6-5. and five. Need them to win again next week if you want to keep that on the resume. Also, just a quick shout-out to the all, all the Arkansas State fans. That's an unbelievable in-season turnaround. <laughs> you don't normally see that, where you go from looking Crisis like— Crisis mode to like scoring 77. Like truly one of the worst teams in college football to now you're going bowling— and you put up a 70-burger? Yeah. Um, but, and so it's, it leaves you with this, yeah, as you put it, uh, unsatisfying is a, a good word for it. Like, empty feeling. Like, you don't know how to feel about it, ultimately. Because, like, I think deep down, most reasonable fans know, like, I should not be upset at Memphis being 8-3, and three, potentially 9-3, and three, potentially with a a bowl win winning 10 games. I should not be un, you know I should not be unhappy about that. And yet I don't think I'm not here to tell you your feelings of being unsatisfied and wondering like isn't there more here? Shouldn't there be more here? Like I don't think those are um I think those are worthy emotions. You know, like it's just such a conf- it's it's such a conflicted place that this program finds itself at. And it's a, it's a really tough spot for fans, I think. I think fans on both sides have legitimate feelings. I think where I fall is more so on the side of, you know what? Like, they did win eight games. They could potentially win ten. 
that liberty if let's say they do go to the Liberty Bowl and go beat a Big 12 team in front of what you know will probably be a a full Liberty Bowl, you know, whoever they play, if it's Iowa State or whatever. I mean, if they play Iowa State, I can tell you what, that's going to be a great bowl game atmosphere because it was, Iowa State It travels. was in 2017. Yeah, but was Iowa, a, Iowa State is a fan base that travels. Yeah. Like they, they get fired up. Like, But even whatever Big 12 team you face is going to bring a decent amount, and then the Memphis fans will fill in the rest, you know? And it'll be a great atmosphere, and, like, that will feel – like, if you can go out and win that game, I think that will – You'll feel really good going into the off. You'll feel pretty good going into the off season. So that's like there's a chance for something like that. If you can go beat a power five team in a bowl game, right? See, I guess I kind of push back on this. Like, you'll feel good that day, but oftentimes the bowl game doesn't really change the trajectory of how you do or yeah. don't feel. Now, like it's kind of like, how did you feel going into it? And You'll be fired up for the game. Like yeah. you'd rather play. You'd to me, it's play because that it's play the Liberty Utah Bowl. State in yeah. the in first the responders. first responders bowl. Yeah, or even like honestly, because it's here, I think it will add something to it. Like if you were going to play, you know, Virginia Tech in the military bowl. I don't know. If you, you know what I mean? Like it'll be it, or like I don't know who you'd play in the Fenway, Fenway Bowl. Is it? So That's another, another ACC. AAC? It's an ACC AAC game. It'd probably be like NC State in the Fenway Bowl or something. You know, like I, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's it's, it's a, usually it's usually you close your eyes, find seven and five AACC. Teams. I'll say this: it sounds like if you beat Temple, based on the way the AAC does its bowl games, you're going to have a chance to play against a team where you're probably not going to be the favorite. And so that is a chance to kind of you know at least I don't I think you're right that like ultimately how you're going to – I wrote this in my column at commercialpeel.com. Like, how you're going to remember this season is kind of how that SMU game played out. Like, that's how you're going to remember this team. Yeah. Is, like, the team that, you know, was fought their hearts out, was better than Ryan Silverfield's last two teams, but ultimately wasn't, like, a great team by any means. You know, like, ultimately they – Yeah, they I guess, though, I guess this is kind of where I struggle. I think my eyes tell me that they're better – but I'm not, like, supremely confident. And everyone will point to the record, but the whole problem with... So the idea of, I shouldn't be upset about 9-3. and three. Well, the problem is, you watched the 9-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I... And I, you, I, think, I think what is unsatisfying and what has people sour, it's less the whole... Like, I think the coaching aspect of it is a part of it. There's no mm-hmm. question. But I think what is more unsatisfying and more just kind of meh, why am I supposed to care about this, is the fact that you look at, like, what the league's going to be. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I, do, I think that's part of it. And uh, at the same, you know, I don't know. I'd give it, like, a B. It was, like, a B season. Now, like, if it was up to me, like, I don't think well, that— I don't know. Are you a believer in grade inflation? Calkins and I go. He Calkins is a big grade inflation guy because I guess he wanted to get his kids into better schools. Mm-hmm. And I'm so what he said, what, vehemently opposed. Well, I'm just saying. Like, are you? I mean, my grade inflation. Like, are you someone that like? To me, B's have become the new C's. Like, you show up, you go to class, you do what you're supposed to. Like, you get B's now rather than well, to that me, was like a C. To me, the way I look at it is like I used to, like I was like, yeah, I I would say in college like. It was hard, like at Michigan, for instance, it was hard to get an A. It was also hard to get a C. And, like, I kind of look at the AAC a little bit like that. Like, it's hard because of the way the league's made up. It's hard to get an A. That's probably the perfect metaphor. But because the way the league's made up, it's pretty hard to get a C, too. 
And so B is like kind of like he did what he did what he was supposed to do. But like, you know, whenever you have an employee, you kind of want them, you know, you'd like for them to go a little above what they're supposed to do. Yeah, this is the sales guy that knows exactly what his number is and he hits the number. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but he doesn't go over it because you know what? His probably his bonuses are capped. Like whatever the commission <laughs> is capped. And once he gets to that level, it's like done. So it's a I understand people on both sides of the fence. And the reality is I'd love to like to me, again, to make another probably bad metaphor, this is like if we were playing blackjack, I'd I'd stay. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna add anything to this contract. What's the dealer showing? I don't. That doesn't matter. The, to me, it's the state. You got eight. You got eighteen. Well, the dealer matters. Like there's a yeah. there's a way to play. But you got it. You got. You got to assume that's a ten underneath. Yeah. The deal. The AC's not a good deal. Like, well, the AC's I mean, I got guess, a bad I guess hand. On, I guess in your argument, at eighteen, you got to stay. Yeah, you just stay no matter what. But like, I don't want to add anything to that. I don't want to like add anything to this. You don't like to live dangerously. No, I and I don't. And like I too, I'm not folding. Like I don't think dangerous. it's right. To, I don't think it's smart to fold. You don't really fold in blackjack. You either bust yeah, or you don't. Whatever. You're right. True. Um, you mix it up your card. Games. I'm mixing up my metaphors here. Nonetheless, that's. But like, the only fear I have is that they are going to view this as enough. They're going to feel. They're going to get convinced that he has to get some sort of an extension in order to be like You know, like be viewed as not on the. You know, be viewed by whether it's. Potential hires as a coach, or as assistant coaches, or recruits or transfers as like someone who has the support of the administration, and so that's what I fear is going to happen. What is Friday afternoon, or I guess Friday high noon mm-hmm. at the Stink? What's that crowd going to look like? Oh yeah, he was he was actually asked today about the atmosphere, what he's expecting. Um, yeah, I don't think there's going to be very many people at that's going to be tough. Financial. One. What are they? One in ten, two, or what? They're one in six in league play, but they're three and eight overall. Okay, yeah. And right now we're showing cloudy skies in forty-five. Like when I think about the stink in November, this is going to be this is going to be friends and family only. Yeah. It feels like at at Lincoln Financial, there's going to be you're going to here. Here's what I would, here's what I would say: if you're going to the game, be careful of how loud you're speaking because they might actually be able to hear you on the field. Also, this feels like one of those games where sometimes you kind of depend on everybody else's body heat, keeping it a little warmer. That is not going to play here. Not going to play. No, it's going to be it's going to be cold. But uh, yeah, so uh, Memphis football, we'll see. Um, but pretty good season, um, and we'll see where it goes from here. Maybe it, it ends in Memphis. Uh, it, it feels like it's trending that direction. We'll see, though. I think some I, we'll have to look at, at it more in detail over the next couple days. Uh, which SEC teams need to win so or lose for this? Florida to- can get bowl eligible by mm-hmm. beating Florida State. Mm-hmm. Unlikely, but you know that game's like that game was. That game gets kind of weird. Florida State's got lost its starting quarterback. You also have so Arkansas has been eliminated. South Carolina can get bowl eligible with a win over Clemson. Mm-hmm. I kind of put those in the same thing. It's like all right, it's not impossible, but it's not super likely. And then Mississippi State can get bowl eligible if they beat Ole Miss on Thursday night. Okay. So, some things up in the air. Uh, some things up on the up in the air on the bowl front, but we'll see. All right, let's let's switch course to the Grizzlies cuz that was a that was the that was my favorite game to watch of the season. 
That Celtics Grizzlies game. It was the best. Like, oh, in- I've got my overreaction. I'm ready to go. Okay, right. What is your overreaction? One hundred two, one hundred. Grizzlies lose a get- lose to the Celtics, but you know that was the best win of the year. <laughs> the loss to the Celtics. The loss was the a loss was the best win of the year because a the Celtics were at full strength, and I don't know. Like, I didn't get the sense because they came out early. Sometimes you'll get the sense of when you're playing the good team, like you can tell when they're kind of checked out. Mm-hmm. That didn't feel like what we've talked about. Oftentimes where you see like a good team where they know we've got to play one good quarter. Mm-hmm. That didn't feel like that last night. Like that felt competitive throughout. Mm-hmm. Like neither team ever really pulled that far in front of the other. And that was that was the most enjoyable game to watch start to finish mm-hmm. that we've seen where like the whole time it felt competitive – the whole time, like, that gave you a reason to watch. Yeah, and Bain was great for the most part. Sand- I mean, my, my overreaction was this. <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Well, it what, I saw the quote. DeMichael Cole had a nice story after the game uh, about Santi Aldama because obviously he was kind of the – Bain was probably the best player on the court for the Grizzlies, but Aldama was like – his performance was the most important because you weren't expecting it. As great as Desmond was last night, if the Grizzlies would have won that game, you would have called it the Santi game. Yeah. Um, and that's not like to – that's not to slight. Again, Des. it was more because you weren't expecting it out of him right. necessarily. But he sets a career high with 28 points. I think grabbed 12 rebounds at like – Six assists too. Like it was, he was, he was, he was very good, and um, until the very end. Uh, but um, yeah, but you know what? Like, well, here's what I say. I don't blame him. Miss he missed the th- open three at the end. That was, That's that whatever. Was in and out. Like, the bad. Whatever. The the play was the, the turnover. The, the turnover. Yeah. The over the shoulder pass he attempted, and he admitted it after the end. That was that was not great. But he had this quote to DeMichael Cole. Um, he said, "I think we're just." Go- I read it and I didn't know it came from Santi at first. I just I thought it was someone else because it sounded like I think we're just going to have to get used to three near seven footers on the court at the same time. And I love I loved the quote initially because whoever said I read it and I go whoever said this is right. Like that's just yes, that's what last night the past couple nights really the second half of the Spurs game and last night's game showed us. Like listen, you're going to give up some stuff because you're playing Santi, but like right now. Like, he's one of your five best players. Get him on the court. I mean, I think you can make the argument he might be your third best player. Yeah. Well, given what you have. Certainly offensively. Um, and um, I thought it even funnier when I read that it was Santi who said it. Like, Santi was basically like, listen. Yeah, we got to play some more. It's time, it's, time, it's time for it. It's Santi time. All right, baby? It's As Santi the show time. show that defines itself by don't tell the story, tell your story. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. Yeah. I think we're just going to have to get used to three near seven-footers on the court at the same time. But, no, it was a, it was an encouraging loss. That was true. They say there's no moral victories in sports. They didn't watch last night's well, Grizzlies-Celtics Or game. they haven't watched the Grizzlies season this year. <laughs> um, now, we'll see. Now that, you know, they're playing a little better. They'll probably get Rose back, I would assume, for Wednesday's game against the Rockets. I mean, Derek played on Saturday. Yeah. No, I think he was just sitting yeah. out because it was the second night of a back-to-back, and he's coming back from injury, and he's it's a, it was very clearly an injury due to he was playing a little oh, too much. Workload. Um, so, but, and that'll obviously be a very highly anticipated game because it's the Dylan game. Yeah, I don't even think of it like this. I think of it in the terms of the next four games, so Wednesday to Wednesday. 
Mm-hmm. You have Houston on the road, Phoenix at home on Friday, mm-hmm. Timberwolves on Sunday, yes. and then the following Wednesday is Utah at home again. I, that's I think correct. that's right. I okay. think that's right. I think it is. I think it's a realistic goal. So, like, not something that should be the baseline, but something you should aspire to. I think a two and two week should be like what you set your mind to. So, okay, we're we're at the point now. We don't care which ones. Yeah, yeah, like, I can see that. If Phoenix yeah. shows up and they don't play the big three, okay, well, Beal's not. They're not going to play the right. big three. Beal's out saying, for a like, while. Whatever now. you sit, two yeah. of them. Yeah. No, I think I think. I mean, and that's here's what I'd say. They've stable. That's what they're doing. Aren't they three and three over their last six now? I think that's what it is. Or three and four. I think they're three and four since they signed Biombo. Are they three and four? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So they've. What are, are they we now? counting that first game where you played like six seconds? I think you can. If you don't, then I think they're three and three. Yeah. I I say from the second Portland then game because he actually played. I think they're three and three since he signed. Then, um, so because what's their record now? Three and nine. Three and ten. Three and ten. Okay, so maybe they're three and four. I think it's three and four. So since since that second Blazers game, uh, let's see, one, two, two and two, two and three, three and three, three and four, three and four. Yeah, three and four since after last night's loss. But again. Really, that's almost like three, three, and one based on what we've decided on last night's game, right? That's their three wins. <laughs> what? That's their three wins. No, but I'm saying last night's no, game. No, but my point is, since that point, like, yeah, like that's close all to, the wins. Yes, yeah, that's close to 500 basketball. Um, and then you know, you also saw some interesting things. Like the, the truth is, if they would be, if they would be playing at a three out of seven clip, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be feeling like we do right now. Yeah. We wouldn't be questioning everything. Correct. Um, you also saw Vince Williams have be a pretty significant factor for the first time this year. Really used for the first time this year. He's and always it, been pretty good defensively. The key difference was he hit shots. He hit a couple shots, yeah. Um, and then Kenny Kenneth Lofton Jr. gave you good minutes when Biombo was we in foul had, trouble. We also, if he would have pulled off that bounce pass at the end of the third quarter. Mm. Yeah, but that was a bad pass, ultimately. Yeah, but he was feeling it. Yeah. Like, you should see him, like, he was coming down, he's running the floor. I think that was right after he'd had the dunk. Like, he was feeling it. And then seeing the floor, too. And then it comes on the heels of, like, that Spurs game looked like, honestly, like, that looked like it was going to be. I was watching, when you watch that first half of the Spurs game, and really the first, like, two and a half quarters of that Spurs game, you're going, oh, man, that Lakers loss really hit them hard. Yeah. Like, that's what I was – I was watching it and going, man, they haven't recovered from the Lakers loss because they – while they may – you know, maybe they should – maybe they could lose that game. They shouldn't be losing by 20 to that Spurs team. No, and they proved it. And, yes, they did in the second half. They were – it was a – I mean, it was fantastic. They played great, and they appear to have stumbled on via that comeback, this lineup with – it's Desmond Bain, John Conchar – Santi Aldama, Jaron Jackson Jr., Bismack Biombo, that I think we will see this week, if you will. You know, like I, I think, or maybe yeah. until Ja comes no, back, I, potentially. I, I think right now you can tell the emphasis is gonna be whether or not it, it fits on a whiteboard perfectly. I think there's gonna be an emphasis on get the best players on the floor. And that's what I think you should be doing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So uh Encouraging. All right, last overreaction, and then we'll get to Jason Munns, Tiger Basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. the uh, The polls came out today, mm-hmm. and I think there was an ex there was an expectation 
I think, amongst the fan base. They were, and us. They were I, 26th I, in the poll. They were the, the highest receiving votes team in both polls last week. And they were not in the AP poll this week. They were, however, what number? What rank were they in the coaches poll? I thought it was, was it twenty four? I think that's right. Um, but they were they were in the coaches poll, not in the. Uh, what, if, are y'all not branding it? Uh, I'm not sure if we. You didn't sell that bad boy. I'm sure they have. They're twenty three in the coaches poll. Excuse me. Um, let's see. I'll tell you. I should. I should know the. I think only the football one is branded. Now the the gap between so they stayed at quote unquote. 26 in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. And even though Mississippi State jumped in there, the gap, the amount of votes that are the difference between you and 25 is shrunk significantly, yeah. but they're still not in it. Now, FAU stayed in the poll despite losing to Bryant. Um, they're yeah, but that's like a 20 yeah. in the coach's poll. Bryant, I would, Bryant's a first four stalwart. Mm. Like when, when I think Dayton, well, it was the first game, game for Phil Martelli's kid. Yeah as the permanent head coach, um, or as the acting head coach, because they're Jared Grasso, their head coach, left. But I was I was just I was a little surprised. Resigned to be with his family. So they will not be but they are unranked in the AP poll heading into the Bahamas. Um now the Missouri loss, we'll have to come to grips with it. We'll, we'll discuss it with Muns here in a second. The Missouri win suddenly, you know, got a little tainted. Missouri loses at home to Jackson State yesterday, which Maybe played a role in this because now that win doesn't look See, as good. I, I don't think that necessarily did because that game you happened. Think this is just straight disrespect. Yeah, I think it's more. Yeah, more than that because the game happened late. Most people, I think, had probably turned in their ballots by then. Well, it's interesting. Well, the Tigers did win against Alabama State in their last game before heading to the battle for Atlantis. I watched that game with Penny Hardaway. Jason Munns was there watching the game at FedEx Forum. He'll be in the Bahamas starting Wednesday when Memphis plays Michigan to kick off the battle for Atlantis. And he's going to be here on the show next. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah. 
Donato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Jason Munz is the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He joins us each and every Monday on the program. You can follow him on Twitter on X at Munzley. Munz, I I can't decide if I'm insanely jealous of you or not. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Man, when you fire up a little Weezer holiday or Island in the Sun... Now I'm starting to get a little jealous of you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, don't be. It's, uh, it's, it's like a win-win situation. You stay at home, you, you do Thanksgiving, that's a win. You go to the Bahamas for a little basketball, uh, also a win. So you're not missing out. You're going to watch it on TV, so. So I'm interested about this because you had the perspective of, you were at FedEx Forum on Friday night for Memphis's win over Alabama State, 92-75. I don't know, I guess sloppy, I guess. Uh, it, yeah. Right? How would you define it, Munz? It wasn't um, bad, but it wasn't. It just what it, it was what it yeah, was. It was a buy game. It was a buy game. Before, yeah. it, was in, it was like in between, sandwiched between a big win and. The only game of the week. Like, and like a huge tournament for the program. All that mattered was that you won and came out of it healthy, and that's what they did. Yeah, I mean. It was. It was. It didn't leave me. I, I, I wasn't. You know, there wasn't anything that was like super wow. Uh, I guess other than, you know, David Jones, uh, kind of going off in that first half. What seventeen or nineteen points or something in the first half? A lot of it there late in the first half. But yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, it was just kind of meh. I guess. Yeah, I was trying to see. Let's see comparisons. Yeah, it felt like most of his work was in the in the first half. He can shoot the basketball. Yeah, which, That's is he the best shooter they've had in the Penny Hardaway era? Uh, Landers, Nolly, Lester, those. I mean, they were pretty yeah. good too. Um, I guess Tyler to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, but so far, I mean, he's shooting like fifty six or fifty seven percent from three. He's as I don't know if he's a better shooter than those other guys, but he's as good a shooter as them and can do more than them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's what? more to his game than that too. I, I I don't know if it makes anybody feel a certain way about about how well he's shooting three games into the season, but y'all know he shot twenty nine percent from three last year at St. John's. Yeah, like, uh, Mark and I talked about it. it's like the role that they asked. Like he literally had to do everything. Yeah, like I don't know yeah, if he's well, a forty percent three point shooter, but I think he's I think he's he is a pro- now, yeah. I think he's a product of he is taking a lot better shots this year because he's playing around a like a bunch of good players, not he's like one guy and he's taken all the shots at the end of the shot clock. Cause that's what I think yeah. his inefficiency was in part due. Cause I remember watching his highlight package and seeing in the highlight package, how many shots of his were like end of shot clock, him creating one-on-one type of shots. And based on his percentages, I was just, you know, I was just watching the makes and the highlight package. And so my gut told me he just, he had to take a lot of those types of shots at St. John's last year. Whereas here, he's got Javon Quinterly and he's got Jordan Brown to, to help him and another shooter and Jaquan Walton and uh, kind of a do-it-all guy. And the the reality is, the, the, the way it's set up with him and Jaquan Walton, it's like, as long as one of those guys is going off, you're probably in pretty good shape, 
and their MO over their career is that they can go off. It's just, you know, like you can't necessarily expect it every game from them. That's what their career has said so far. It's like these guys are good players who once every two or three games has like a big game. And if you're on a team where you're relying on just like when you have two of those types of guys, you know, their inconsistencies matter a little less. Yeah, they are uh, together shooting 52.6% from three, David Jones, and 53.8% from three, Jake Juan Walton and Javon Quinterly's pitching in with 42.9% from mm-hmm. three through three games. So, uh, what? So yeah, there. And it, yeah. it was interesting. So I, you know, I as you we mentioned at the top of the show a little bit. I haven't really talked about it yet, but I have a co- I had a column up at commercialpeel.com. I watched Friday's game with Penny at the owner's box in as it's technically Lakeland. Um, it's kind of, I'd never been out that way where it is exactly. It's like it was kind of in, it felt like it was in the middle of nowhere a little bit. Like not in the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere in terms of like retail. Like it's this new mixed use, you know place out in Lakeland, but it's really nice, really nice bar. Um, like it looked like a, if you're looking for somewhere to go watch a, a sporting event in a sports bar environment, it was a nice environment, but Penny had watched the first two games there and then watched the Alabama state game there. And he was nice enough to let me uh, join him for this Alabama state game. And what I just found interesting is how he talked about the team when he did talk about him uh, during the game was, you know, like he just, he very clearly knows the way they're playing now is not yet what they need to be playing like ultimately to to be the team he thinks they can be. Um, and not to say they're playing poorly, he just knows there's another level with this team. Um, and I think he's – you can just tell he's – he views this team as having a very high ceiling. And he wants he, – he's trying to do – everything in his power to get them to reach that ceiling. Um, and so well, I just, my gut tells me, yeah. my, my gut tells me is he's been burned the last couple of years feeling the same way. Yeah. Feeling that mm-hmm. the last couple of teams have been good enough to do good things, better things than they ultimately mm-hmm. did. And, and, you know, he wound up disappointed because uh, for one reason or another, he wound up disappointed. And so that's probably playing into his, yeah, the way he's. The, the I don't. I don't know if he views this team the similar to last year. I think last year's team was different. I think he does view this in terms of like number of dudes he's got at his disposal. I think he views it as two years ago's team, and I think right. the early returns are like he's not dealing with like you know a locker room war, or whatever you wanted to call what was going on in the early season two years ago when Amani Bates and. You know, Landers, Nolly were clashing, you know, and Lester and all the older guys were clashing with with him bringing in Amani um, and kind of thrusting him into a big role. There's not you just don't sense any of that going, even though there's a lot of egos that are having to be managed here. It does feel like because they are older and frankly, Mm -hmm. because some of these egos like Jaquan, you mentioned Jaquan Walton and David Jones, like. Part of what you can sell them on and part of what they both have now said separately in interviews is like, yeah, they've done a lot in college. They haven't actually done anything meaningful for like as a team. Yeah. You know, like they've never been to the NCAA tournament, you know? And so I think that helps a lot in, in this whole thing. And I I said I just sensed being around Penny that he's he's really intrigued by this team because ego wise it's really working out so far. 
Yeah, I mean, and and they all keep saying it over and over again, just how unselfish this team is and the the, the guys are. And I do think that that as you alluded to, the biggest. I, I think it helps that it's a that it's a large number of older players as a part as opposed to a large number of younger players. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that a large number of older players couldn't or you know wouldn't under. Uh, another set of circumstances, uh, you know, be looking out for number one more than this team is, or as much as the, as a team full of younger guys uh, can. But it just feels like this particular group of basketball players so far has bought in to the whole, like, you know, we got to get along we got to be cohesive. Uh, we've, we've got to play together. We've got to sacrifice some uh, when necessary, and we'll all get to eat. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be able to play. Uh, the, the better we play together, the, the the deeper we'll be able to go, and the bigger the stage, and all this and the other thing. And it looks like they're. It seems like they've they've bought into that so far. How would you characterize this week? Because on the one hand. It does feel like a big week. Are we in agreement? Like it, yeah. it does, but it's also yeah. not the type of big week that you can't come back from if if you stumble. But it, it just feels like a, a very big week. But also, it's one of those situations like even if you come out on Wednesday and someone else, you know, Arkansas doesn't play well, and you wind up, you know, getting well. Look, already the team you're playing Wednesday, Michigan lost to Long Beach State on Friday night. I was. It's funny. I was with Penny as Michigan lost to Long Beach State, and then Arkansas lost to UNC Greensboro. Yeah. And I will say, literally, like, there wasn't even him telling me, keep this off the record, and he reacted. It was, he didn't really even react. He, like, kind of just, like, nodded his head and kind of went about his business. Um, but you're going to be dealing, you know, like, you're, both teams you could potentially face in these first two games have taken a setback here early. But, uh, it, Munz, what do you think? I mean, it, it feels big to me. Like, I think you want to, if, if this team is what they say they want to be, like this is you know you want to be two and one or better on this weekend or on this week definitely right yep I think I think I think the I think the uh, standard or the you know the goal should be two and one at least uh, this week obviously the goal is going to be three and zero oh, but um, you, you certainly don't want to do worse than two and one and and it, I, the way I look at it is it's not so much if you do worse you know if you do one and two or God forbid zero oh and three um, it's not like it's going to just torpedo your your season or anything like that, but it's going to be the whole like what if thing. It's gonna it's gonna you know like by doing well this week, it 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 goes a long way toward helping you uh, more so than not playing well and losing more games would hurt you. I don't. I, I'm hoping that makes sense, but. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Is is the reason why you want to do really well is because it raises your profile, it builds your confidence, it uh, you know puts more eyeballs on you and helps you in the eventual. You hope it helps you in the eventual uh, seating situation come March. Yeah, well, here's here's the truth. If you go, I think if you go two and one this weekend, and let's say let's say it's you beat Michigan. Maybe maybe you lose to Arkansas, and then you win your you know you beat Texas Tech or something. You'll probably like 
stand pat where you are in the ranking, Probably, something yeah. like that. Okay. Yep. You go three and zero. You win this thing. You'll be a top fifteen, top twenty team. I think. Come, you know, out, coming out of coming out of the event. And if you go, yeah. let's say the two and one is you beat Michigan, you beat Arkansas, and then you lose to like UNC in the championship game. I think you might be a top twenty team then too. Um, like there's a lot to gain. There's and and you talk about the seating like doing well in an event like this will get the attention of like. I don't know how how else to explain it than college basketball people who will then cognizant who will then write and talk about it, and then the committee will be reading about it, and like this will doing well in an event like this will hold up over time, and all the way to selection Sunday when they're deciding your seating. Like they'll be think this will come up in the back of their mind when they're thinking about Memphis. If you can make it to the championship game of the battle for Atlantis. And may you know, and it's certainly if you win it, but if you can make it to the championship, you go beat Michigan, beat Arkansas, do something like that. Um, that'd be re- I think it would be something that really stands up over time. I'll say this: when I talked to, uh, I, I was able to get a chance to uh, talk to Rick Stansberry on the phone or, or last week, middle of last week, and we were just talking about you know his time uh, as the acting head coach and what he's, you know, what he's uh, observed and what he's learned about the Tigers and so on and so forth. And then uh, the conversation sort of drifted a little bit toward the battle for Atlantis. And, you know, it wasn't anything as much that he said, but it was more like how he said it and how he sounded when we were talking about the battle for Atlantis. Like, I just got the distinct impression from talking to him about it uh, that this, I mean, this guy's been doing this a very long time. Like he, he knows college basketball, um, not just coaching, but he, I mean, like he knows the whole thing and landscape, everything, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And like, it just, like I said, the, the, the vibe that I got off him is he is, uh, he, he knows how important this week could be, uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so, you know, I, I that's to your point, Mark. I, I I agree with you, and I think a lot of people who know college basketball know how important this tournament is, uh, or could be if you you know if you do well. Y'all know what else I'm really looking forward to? Mm. The Bad Boy Mowers commercials. Oh. <laughs> they're electric. Well, like, Muns won't get to like, see them. Muns like won't 90, get. We'll, we'll have to record them for. I them. mean, they're like they're like 90 second action movies. Mm. They make like they they yeah, frame up this. Thing. Oh yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> They're electric. <laughs> yeah, Are you excited to be in the – it's in a ballroom, right? It's like basically a ballroom yeah. that they play in. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's we, got a, be, uh, we got a nice little preview. Is it the Bahamar? Where did you go this summer? No, Dominican. Uh, this uh, won't be like the no, Dominican. The, they have the Bahamar this weekend, and there's just nothing like seeing. Like It feels like those things are attended by exclusively like 65-year-olds that have gotten way too much sun and have had way too many like uh, frozen drinks. <laughs> It's like every single one of them has the exact same like rubbery like sunburn. It's oh, it's the best. Yeah. I'm so fired up for this week. No, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was it was the Bahamar uh, Resort is where they played four years ago and when they went to the Bahamas. But um, this is obviously not there. It's at a different place. But uh, it's going to be similar from what I understand. That the yeah they're going to be playing in a ballroom. It's not going to be yeah the Dominican they played in the. Uh, huge stadium, the, the the big arena with whatever it was, 10,000 people. 
uh, on the first day, and then they played in the airplane hangar uh, on the second two, for the second <laughs> two games. This would be a little bit different than that, but um, but no, I am. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, should be fun no matter what happens. All right, Muns, we appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, same to y'all. That was Jason Munn's Tiger basketball beat writer for the commercial appeal. I will note, Jeffrey, you know, we were we were both a little surprised they weren't ranked in the top 25. I will note, the poll run by the company that owns the commercial appeal is the one that is has the Tigers in the top 25. Just saying. Just, just throwing it out there. Gannett the good guy, as always. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the week that was in the NFL. Let's find out what Boom and Boog thought about week 12 of the NFL. We'll do it next right here on Jay Nato and Jeffrey, 99 FM ESPN. It's game time. Memphis's biggest sports personality. Not close. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.